welcome one welcome all to the simple politics podcast i'm your host kobe and political noob uh, and i'm joined as always by political geniuses in diane and tatton guys how are you doing and say hello to the listeners hello everyone how are you doing hello uh political genius signing in here for uh <laughs> for an illuminating session i'm way too modest to say that <laughs> I think that the, the sense of irony, I hope, would come through <laughs> no. and I describe whatever this guy is as a genius. Take a bow, take a bow guys. You know, <laughs> accept it. Accept the plaudits. <laughs> well, I um, hope you've had a good week. It's been interesting to see what's been posted and commented on on the on the Simple Politics Instagram account. So I'm keen to get cracking with the popularity contest if you are. Yeah, let's do it. Let's yes, do yes, it. yes, 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 yes. So section one is the segment where we look at last week's most popular posts. And there's some fun ones, <laughs> I guess, in here. Um, outside the grain, I'd say. Uh, Tatton, do you want to lead us out with uh, number three? Yeah, well, it's been a, a really mixed week. And then this was, this is a really serious post. I mean, it's um, the internet, right? It's a pretty horrid place. Mm. And the government have a bill called the Online Harms Bill coming out soon. And they're going to try to make it not such a horrid place or make it more illegal to do things and stop them from happening. Like I was at an assembly this morning, end of term celebration assembly for my, for my, for my two boys. And um, they were talking, you know, it's primary school. They were talking about the safer internet stuff. Yeah. And one of the evils, true evils that comes through for young teens, year seven, year six, year seven is internet pornography. Right. Mm. Because that's the first time, so often the first time I've ever heard about sex or ever thought about sex is being shown in a way that isn't what sex is, right? It's got nothing to do with, with sex or, or, you know, respect or, any, or, or love or whatever. I mean, I'm aware it sounds quite old-fashioned to say sex is about love, um, <laughs> but, but it's like, it, it, it's horrific. And people will say, well, porn's been around for people that age for a long time, especially boys that age, and it certainly has. And I think that in the olden days, some, some grubby magazine that's been found in the woods would get passed around schools. And it, that was, it was always found in the woods as well. And it's, it's a thing that speaks to a bygone era, but certainly did happen. And it's weird when you think yeah. about it. Like I stumbled across, I stumbled across like a semicircle of like three or four filthy, I mean, in terms of being out in the weather as well as content, filthy magazines, it's like someone had arranged some <laughs> ritual uh, there. But anyway, the point is, these kind of still soft porn images are a world away from the, 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 the disgustingness of children the, learning about relationships through what there is now. And is this, is this talking just about pornography? Is it looking at other aspects such as cyberbullying? And one of the, I think one of the things that took people f for the first time uh, for, for a lot of people was after the World Cup final, where the the, the uh, three pound takers, all black, got abused quite openly on the internet, and those caused them for more stringent controls. Is that going to look at this side of things as well, or it, it is going to look at that side of things? That was kind of already in the bill, and then this sure. week they're now, they're announcing measures about about age verification, mm -hmm. and they've talked about this before. Two years ago, there was an attempt to make. Um, porn sites do better age verification because the idea is that if you're an adult and you're watching consenting adults then you know what's the harm and there's the debates we had there as well but you know if you're an adult whatever it's just protecting children from it and so a couple of years ago they put this into a bill 
but they had to drop it because they had no way of making people check age, right? It's a really hard thing to do on the internet to, to force this age verification. And this time, the way they've got around that problem is by saying, it's not our problem. You sort it out. It's down to you. If you're a pornographer sharing this stuff, you've got to make sure it's secure and you can't log in if you're under 18. So rather than us coming up with a solution, down to you. And um, if you don't, then you'll be illegal in the UK. And obviously there's ways around with VPNs and blah, 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 blah. But it's about making it harder for the casual viewer. And you say this is broadly welcome, but it's been a feeling that's not going to solve all the issues. Yeah, um, I think I think that's fair. Like, obviously it's it it feels like I think for most people like a you know a, a good move really you know as Tatton said if you're an adult and you want to watch certain things then that's different isn't it and and put in the you know whether it's you put your details in to be confirmed by a third party or credit card or whatever then that's fine but it it sort of it, it ticks one box in that respect but there's a a huge other piece missing that's um, about sex education, really. And I think the two sort of go hand in hand when, you know, mm. pornography is not going to go away. Um, there's still, there will be loopholes around this. People will get hold of it from older siblings. I don't know, thing, you know, things will happen. So education has got to be bolstered as well so that when people do see things that they understand that, that you know, that that's, not necessarily the the way relationships are. I think so. I think that yeah, it needs to be um, on a few different parallels uh, to make to make a, a proper indent. So number two, Diane, what was the second most popular post? Okay, number two this week. Um, <laughs> so the PM stood up just before PMQs. He took us by surprise, actually, and um, yep. very much, very much so, and said, "Great news, guys! All COVID measures, including." The, you know, the legal requirement to self-isolate if you have COVID. Um, I, I'm probably going to end that a month early and I'm going to come back on the first day of Parliament because we're going to talk about this, but they're off next week and back in the week after. And he's going to come and, and give us more detail on that and flesh it out a bit. But um, that was the headline message that self-isolation, legal requirement, will be ending a month early. So that's probably the 24th of Feb if you count back. And that's England only, very importantly, England only. Yeah, we talked about the differences between the, the different um, member states of the UK and how they're approaching COVID and that being a marker of how people actually understand uh, the United Kingdom, how the different uh, areas work. Um, my uh, predictions, my predictions are always terrible, but I right. promise you Nicola ain't going for this, <laughs> right? She is not down with this. No. What what are people saying about this? Because I think this, I mean, there might be cynical aspects where I think, oh, Boris is trying to divert attention from other things that are going on. Is that is there an undercurrent of that in the comments? I think there's definitely, um, oh, yeah. yeah, a thought that this plays to, to um, you know, it'll be popular with people, particularly liberals who want an end to restrictions anyway and feel that we've kind of gone far enough with what we could do with COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of other people saying, well, this feels like a bit of a, a, a bolt from the blue. And where's Chris Whitty? Was a big, big comment on the internet this week. Uh, what does he think of it? Does, does he know? Mm. Um, have we told him? <laughs> um, <laughs> so you, you've got the two camps there. Some people very, very happy to, to see the back of restrictions for good. 
And some people saying, hang on a minute, can we just hear from the science one more time? I think it's really interesting that, that the phrase, we will follow the science, which which we heard all the time for months and months and months and months and months, has apparently completely disappeared. It's just this, where there's a will, there's a way. Come yeah. on, team, let's get on with it. Bosh. Okay, well, let's head on to the, the top, the most popular post this week. Uh, and it's a doozy. Tatten. Well, I think I think the order of popularity contest really says something about this country at the moment. We've been told that probably in about two weeks' time, we will have zero restrictions in the, in England for, you know, the first time in two years. This is absolutely massive. But what people really want is a picture of Boris Johnson standing quite near a bottle of fizzy wine um, while a civil servant wears <laughs> uh, some tinsel. That's what we want. All we want is, um, oh, and he's kind of just fiddling with his tie in a way that looks like he might just have been undressed recently. If we can speculate about Boris Johnson being a very naughty boy, then that is more interesting <laughs> to uh, our nation, or at least SP's audience, than something that will genuinely change their lives. Well, can I, can I ask about, so this is breaking the kind of standard format of, of the post from Simple Politics. Do you explain briefly why you chose to show this picture? Well, it it came out during PMQs, and it was a, it was a big it was a big thing because all the MPs were showing like you could see them in PMQs, see the photo for the first time, and show their mates. Um, it was a bit like what happened at the back of my English classroom, um, <laughs> all the time, bloody kids. And we, but we we wanted to show share the picture because it was it was a picture that people were interested in, and it's a, it's a really important picture because that's now that party wasn't. That event, excuse me, wasn't one of the parties that the police were looking into. And now they're like, yeah, we might look into that. Um, I mean, we'll talk about the police later. But uh, it was it, it was very much, it, it's a big change. Yep. And we posted it without any comment. We just said, here's the picture. So that our readers could be informed rather than, I mean, I've obviously been taking the mick out of the picture now. Um, but that's what this podcast is for. There's one of my favorite, um, Mick takes, um, I don't swear on this podcast was, um, and I don't know where it came from, but the comedian Dave Gorman on Twitter, he uh, posted the picture as well, but instead of the, the picture behind Bryce Johnson is a picture of, um, I don't know, this, this ages me and uh, will potentially age a few people. Um, the TV show Neighbours, there's a famous picture of one of the characters, Mrs. Mangle, that's, that's painted by a character called Helen Daniels. And it was such a caricature, funny image. And someone has imposed that picture on the back of, um, on top of that picture, that it caused a bit of a furor on Dave Gorman's post. And I, I thought for a while that was a real one. I was like, why, why is Dan Lister got, got, <laughs> got a picture of Mrs. Mangle? But it wasn't. The real one is on the Simple Politics post. Um, but it's, yeah, there's been a lot of comments. There's been a lot of comedy around this, as you said. What were the readers saying about it? You know, there were people who are very underwhelmed by this as well. You know, there were outrage <laughs> and then there was underwhelmed. There are people who've looked at that and said, that's the worst party they've ever seen, if it is indeed a party, mm-hmm. alleged mm-hmm. party. Um, and, yeah. you know, it, yeah. It's maybe not the huge deal that people think it is, but that that's definitely a view. I mean, it, it's not it's not full on Kaylee, is it? 
No, no. no. I, I love that Kaylee is like your biggest party. Like the biggest <laughs> party in your head, possibly as a Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, what, what would the Conservatives go for? They wouldn't go for a rave. They're not heading to... Um, you know, manumission in Ibiza, are they? they, they they're at no. a Kaylee. Um, no. I think, I think, I think you've just given away more about yourself <laughs> than uh, than you meant to. But that's cool. That's cool. Um, I think that. Well, the thing is, so the point is, it was a virtual quiz, Christmas part rather than the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. This is them. This is where they're doing the right thing, which is encouraging people to be at their desks and have some fun and have, you know, the prime minister there as well. So you can see the work aspect. They were socially distanced, those three. Um, they were looking person. at the computer. Yeah, there's, there's, a wider, there's a wider image of it. There's a fourth person who's also pixelated in, in, other, in other images. So there's potentially four people in that room. But yeah, that's probably sideswiped you. <laughs> well, I read something. I read something today that, was, that said there was a feeling around Westminster and 10 Downing Street that they were just all one big work, essential mm. key worker bubble because they have to go and cross departments all the time and it was a incredibly full on, full on there. And it then said, but the problem was that's not a thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Work bubbles weren't, weren't a thing, a thing. No. Yeah. Uh, ever. So it's like laboring under that misapprehension and through that, the kind of party culture grew. Okay, guys, let's head to the Thursday debate. Hello, I'm Hannah Flint from the First Film Club, a film podcast series dedicated to established and emerging talent, both in front of and behind the camera, and the feature debuts that launch their careers. From the new drama Mass to the cult classic Heathers, each episode is dedicated to a film, a guest, and the behind the scenes stories, memories, and advice from their time on set. Find us, the first film club, wherever you listen to your stripped media podcasts. Come join the club. Every week on a Thursday, Simple Politics Instagram accounts set you guys, the readers and the listeners, a debate topic. And this week it was how, if at all, should politics be taught in schools? Uh, Tatton, former teacher, I'm going to throw it over to you. Well, I mean, there's a bit of backstory about this where um, where loads of kids from a school in Nottingham in less than time all wrote letters to the PM telling him to resign. And the you know, the, the, there's this idea that they were being forced to be lefties. <laughs> and uh, Nadim Zahawi's been very, very sad about this. But like, yeah, I was a teacher. I taught a lot of politics in schools. I visit a lot of schools. And I have quite controversial views on this. Ooh. Because I wouldn't make politics education mandatory in schools because if politics education is done badly, and let's not forget, unless there's a GCSE in it or an A-level in it, which, mm. which there mm. are, but unless you're forcing people to take those things, the worst teacher in the school is put on politics. Right. Right? Because, because the school's got to put their staff where, where the grades are. English, science. Right? Yeah. So they put some numpty muttering something about how the House of Commons works. And really, who cares about how the House of Commons works? People care about issues. People care Mm. about ideologies. People care about competing views of the world. Nobody cares about secondary legislation. So any political education there is has to be be issue-led, not Mm -hmm. process-led. Whereas at the moment, the citizenship curriculum is very process-led. And just have the young people at the centre, what do they want? What changes do they want to make? And it shouldn't be telling them. It shouldn't be telling them to make the PM resign. Like, that's no, ridiculous. That's... If that happened, we don't know. We don't know exactly what happened. 
I think good quality, which may, which I don't know how to do that unless you force people to have a GCSE in it. I mean, Ofsted can 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 look at it, but that's it's quite hard for them to uh, to drill down subjects that aren't examined. So find a way to make schools give it a high profile, put good staff onto it, and make it issue led, humanity led. So what you're saying is, if you do it, do it properly. Know what you're teaching. Know what's going to engage people. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's civics, if it's learning how many MPs there are, that's really dull. If it's if it's this is how you vote. Well, if you if you make someone care about voting, then they can find out how to vote really easily. Voting isn't isn't a hard thing to do, right? You pitch up at a little parish hall, and uh, you put a cross in a box next to the one what you want. Right, that's 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 it. That's game done. So making somebody want to vote because you've spoken about the issues, because you've got out there and you've engaged them on one side or another. Yeah, that's important. Engagement, not tick boxing. Um, what were the simple politics readers saying? So, um, we actually had quite a lot of response from from people in schools, um, both teachers and pupils. Mm. So we had uh, teachers who are very honest. Um, Jordan Ellis Black on Instagram said, as a teacher myself, she'd find it really difficult not to show bias. So, you know, to the point of it really is about the quality of teaching that you get on this and um, yeah. and and how you do that impartially, really. And again, we've got a guy, Chris Crease, who's actually an, an A-level politics student, who said the curriculum's pretty good, but he'd like to learn the theories, the, the, you know, issue stuff, as well as just facts about Parliament, which is to what you were saying. Go on, Chris Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Chris is my, is my homeboy. Is, is political science a thing in the UK? I know it's quite a big uh, course in the US universities, poli-sci, they call it, but um, is that... Is I don't that... think we call it that, uh, but I mean, you know, politics, they go real in-depth into politics mm. uh, at, at university level. Um, the politics at level is quite good. Uh, any of the comments, guys, you want to you want to pull out? Deb Writer. Deb Writer knows that what what they are talking about in a practical fun way that doesn't get bogged down in history. Yes, Deb Writer. E.g., put class members in political roles. Yes, Deb Writer. Give them budgets to choose what needs more spending on it. Yes, Deb Writer, etc. Well, don't etc. me, Deb Writer. <laughs> I want to know more ideas. I'm loving it. Don't give me etc. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, in some schools, you have the opportunity to take part in the model United Nations where you mm. where you have those budgets and you and you play those kind of things. So it sounds like what Deb Wright is suggesting here is a similar kind of setup, but in just the UK politics or within the politics within your within your school. Yeah, I mean, getting people to choose on priorities. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to mention uh, Mrs. Kate Finch um, because because we like Mrs. Kate Finch a lot because she says that we're good. And uh, that's our favourite type of comment. She said, we really enjoyed your lockdown approach. Uh, we did some education sessions during lockdown um, for Key Stage 2 and bought Policy Odyssey, Political Odyssey, it says, which gets the name of the uh, card game wrong. And we have a card game called Policy Odyssey and it's really, really good and you should definitely buy it. And it's called Policy Odyssey and it's really good. And you can get it at spstuff.co.uk. Um, that's, that was me adding into her comment. Excuse me, that's not what she said. Um, she said Political Odyssey, it brings engagement any way to get the young engaged and feeling like it's not a lost cause. And this is what you're saying. From a former teacher, Tatton's current teachers and current students, I think uh, that covers a few of the different areas there. Let's head over to part three, B. 
builds, builds, builds. Each week in this section, we go through a bill that's coming up in Parliament. So next week is actually recess. So what are we doing? So we get lots of messages every time that Parliament is in recess saying, why aren't they working? They earn loads of money and, you know, there's all kinds of problems and blah, 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 blah. So we just wanted to talk quickly about the role of an MP, which sounds really dull, but stick with it. An MP is elected, elected on two things, really. Mm. When you vote, you vote for the name and you vote for the party. And uh, the party, a lot of people just vote for the party because they've never heard of the, the, the random, I don't want to use the word grant, uh, the random, the grant that's standing for the, um, for whichever party it is. So they then go to Parliament and when they're in the House of Commons, they mostly vote the way they're told to. Yeah. Right, the party tells them how to vote, and unless you're quite a senior backbencher, you pretty much vote how you're told to vote. In fact, lots of MPs who have been there quite a long time have never voted against the whip. It's the whip, the whip, a three line whip means you're going to vote this way, and so their role in the Commons is quite diminished. Right, these days has been for decades now, and where a lot of MPs make all the difference in the world is in their constituencies where people bring them their problems. And these aren't, these aren't problems that the MP should be able to fix, that on paper the MP could fix. But these are problems that um, a letter from the MP on the headed House of Commons notepaper can change things. Mm. Right, They can ask questions of the council. They can ask questions of the immigration office. They can put a bit of pressure on and really improve people's lives. Um, the constituency work of MPs, I mean, it's a huge amount of work. They get so many emails, so many people come to see them. But the constituency work, which they normally do on Fridays, which almost all of them do on at least one day of the weekend as well, yeah. they then carry on doing during recess. And the reason recess falls over half term is because Tony Blair change the way Parliament works, House of Commons works, to make it more family-friendly. Okay. So to encourage more, specifically, he said, to encourage more women to, to become MPs. Um, and then lots did, and they, became, they were called Blair's Babes, which just isn't a term that we would have today, I don't think. It was in the 90s, wasn't it? It was the... It, it was, was in the 90s, yeah. Culture. It, was I mean, this, it was this acceptable time in when, the 90s. Yes, it was. <laughs> Um, you know, like David Davis, when David Davis ran to be prime minister or leader of the Conservative Party, he got large-breasted women in T-shirts saying, it's double D for me. Oh, lordy. Like, that wasn't that long ago. Like, I think he was roundly laughed at at the time, but it's like, we've made a lot of progress, right? We've made a lot of progress since that, that time. But... The point so so rather than having longer recesses during what would have been term time, Parliament mostly had breaks up for for the holidays. And again, the point is they're not going holiday; they're being in their constituency, working in their constituencies. They break up generally over the school holidays, so that if they have got children, that kind of works. Can I make a really obvious point? Because I spoke to someone not terribly long ago who didn't realise this, but say, for example, you have an MP from a party that you didn't vote for. So, you, you know, you might have voted Conservative, but you've got a Labour MP. I spoke to someone who didn't realise, you know, that Labour MP will 
absolutely help you out no matter how you voted mm. it doesn't matter that you know they become your mp for you no matter whether you elected them or not and i think it's yeah it's strange some people just it's really important yeah and a lot of people i think don't understand that mps will move heaven and earth mm. to help your cause what they won't do if you voted labor and they've got a conservative mp or vice versa or whatever what they won't do is change their mind about a bill yeah mm. so if you go yeah. to them and say there's the Summer Policy Podcast bill next Tuesday. You've got to vote for it. And they've been told to vote against it. It's very unlikely they're going to change their mind. And a lot of people say to, a lot of people say to kids in political education, well, if you want, you can lobby your MP. You can lobby your MP and go and tell your MP to vote something they wouldn't vote otherwise. It's like not a chance. Like just the chance of however many constituents going to them it's very, very, very unlikely they will change their mind and vote in a way they wouldn't have voted anyway. I think time, guys, to head to the random choice. In this section, we can go anywhere, any topic that feels particularly relevant. And um, Tatton did allude to it before, uh, talking about the, it's the sound of the police, basically. Uh, Diane, do you want to kick us off whoop, with this? Whoop. <laughs> yeah, so this is the Met Police. So we had an announcement come through last night that Cressida Dick has left or, or sort of been pushed out of role. It's no surprise Sadiq Khan was not a fan of hers. He made that mm. very well known over um, recent weeks because of a number of things that, that have happened basically on her watch. And effectively, he said she was on notice as of last week. And it kind of transpires today as Moore's come out about the story that he invited her to a meeting last night about her plans to um, change the culture of the force and, and wasn't happy with whatever she presented to him. And mm -hmm. hence she is gone. I mean, there's been a number, a number of things that have been most prevalent with the Met. Uh, I'm sure this translates to a lot of the, the forces across the UK. But I think a lot of this started with um, what people saw with George Floyd in, in the in the States and then had that permeated with people's trust and mistrust of police in other nations. And I think that we've seen here, there's misogyny, uh, mm -hmm. Sarah Everard. I mean, for me, one of the worst things ever was being told, if a policeman comes and asks you for something, if they're alone, run away, or get on the, on the closest bus. And if you're yeah. not, if you're not supposed to be trusting the police, then what are they there for? And I find that I find that super a really big struggle. So I imagine that was a, a huge red flag for for Sadiq Khan. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just me. That's that's me warbling there. That's that's my, me pouring my heart out at that point. You can tell you're a political novice, Kobe. <laughs> Don't no, and, and then subsequently, um, you know, we've had reports of horrific, horrendous messages that um, police mm -hmm. of met police officers have sent each other. Just the worst things imaginable. And yeah. uh, what a lot of commentators have said is that Cressida Dick did herself no favours because she, instead of saying this is like, you know, a whole thing and we need a full change, she basically a number of times played this out to be, oh, we've got some bad apples in the force, and mm -hmm. uh, you know that that's that's not okay. It's not. It's this, it's it's a wider problem. After the death of Stephen Lawrence, I mean, yeah. however, you know, the McPherson report came out and said the police are institutionally 
racist. Yeah. And that's and what that means is it's not it's not like there's plenty of police officers that aren't racist. Like he's not he wasn't suggesting that all police officers are racist. He's saying that the institution has things within it, practices within it that discriminate against race, against people of color. And that it allows racism to thrive. And we've seen we've seen the misogyny, we've seen the racism, we've seen the homophobia through text messages, through, you know, events we've seen. I mean, as you're absolutely right, Kobe, like we're being told not to trust police officers if they're on their own. Mm. I and mean, like back in the day, they would all be on their own, wandering mm. the streets. You know, that's how that's how policing works. Things are very, very wrong. So the return, every single Met officer has agreed with the institutional vibe that the McPherson report suggested. So Diane, when you talk about her guys talking about a few bad apples, that's this massive shift. Mm. And it's it's generally accepted that it's not true. Mm, absolutely. It can't just be a few. All yeah. of this can't just be a few bad apples. Yeah. Yeah, which is is why her position was untenable. Absolutely. Just the day before yesterday, she was saying, I think if you ask most people, they say I'm doing a good job. She literally said, if you ask most people, I mean, it's not I a mean, great argument. A recent, a recent straw, which was added to the camel's back, was the reluctance to investigate the ongoings at, at Downing Street, mm. for example, and then doing an about face. So I, I see there's just, there's just thing upon thing upon thing upon thing. Mm. Um, so our thing about that is that they said no there's no case mm. and then sue gray investigates like certainly in no police drama i've seen on the tv has the detective said no it's probably nothing and then some civilian's gone <laughs> and done the work and goes here's all the evidence go oh yeah look that's something now i'll investigate that's not it's not how it's supposed to work yeah it, uh, can you guys explain the role of sadiq khan in Crested Dick resigning and then the role that he will play and the mayor, I should say, in general, and the role of the choosing the next the next um, head of head of the Met Police. Yeah, well, ultimately, it will be Pretty Patel as Home Secretary who will be making a hiring decision. But she needs to work in cooperation with Sadiq Khan because he is London mayor and, you know, he's going to have a ma big, big say in this. So um, it needs mm. to be collaborative and I'm not sure how much they are on the same page. That remains to be seen. <laughs> and there was a Conservative lady on the, the, the head of the Policing Assembly Committee or whatever at the, at the GLA and she was, um, she was just saying how terrible Sadiq Khan is just for about 20 minutes on, on Radio 4. The Conservative Party don't like the guy very much. Um, but there has to be some kind of collaboration, right? And mm. we won't know them. Like, Cresta Dick was quite famous before she became before she became police commissioner. I mean, let's not forget she uh, she gave the kill order on John Charles de Menezes, mm. like, however long ago that was. Like, that's kind of when, was when I first heard of her. So her name had been around, whereas I can't think of any other police officers whose name I know. So it will, for me, certainly, it'll be an unknown. Okay, guys, let's head to the final section of Crystal Ball. What will be the big stories coming up this week? Diane? Well, Parliament, as we've discussed, is on recess, although the MPs will be really busy. Really, really, really busy. We've made that clear. <laughs> they will. <laughs> um, Skiing. So it's ski season right now, guys. <laughs> 
But, um, you know, there will obviously still be news. Things are still rumbling on with Russia, for example, and Ukraine. That is definitely still going to be continuing next week. I'm not sure we'll have the Met chief announcement yet next week. I, I don't know. I don't know how long these things take. That that's an unknown, but it could be something we hear. But the Met the Met office the Met office will continue <laughs> to tell us what the, the weather's going to be, Good. even if we don't have a Met chief Perfect. Uh, yet. Uh, Tatton, I'm I've, I've got to guess at one. The main thing might be. I mean, it's COVID, right? Like. <laughs> Do you know what? Maybe maybe at some point soon I'm going to stop saying COVID. Maybe we're going to get rid of all restrictions and then Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland will get rid of all restrictions. And if you get COVID, you'll like sneeze twice and be fine. And um, and I'll never say the word COVID again. I'm quite looking forward to that. But maybe that process starts on uh, the on 21st. So Parliament aren't sitting. There aren't going to be any changes to COVID restrictions next week. But we might start to get some talk through about how Labour will vote mm-hmm. on this, about what the politics of this would be, how that's going to play out, and uh, everything continues to roll on. Okay. Well, guys, join us next week to find out how true or not uh, their crystal balls and powers of perceptions have been. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Kobe, your host. Join us ever by Tatton and Diane. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. And do follow the guys at Simple Politics on the Instagram because that's where you'll get the minute by minute, blow by blow accounts of what's going on in politics and the news in general. Goodbye. Heard a stripped media production.